to hell yeah well thanks for being with us shuja uh yeah, let's it's see. my pleasure yeah, yeah nice to meet you i'm Terrence. yeah <laughs> just jumping in front of everybody yeah we're <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is uh terrence this is i'm tyler tyler co what's up there is a fourth person and hiding behind the computer yeah, screen. Yeah, yeah. There you're, not allowed, oh, you're not allowed yeah. to see right. me. I'm <laughs> Tom, and then the phantom voice is Matt. Right. He's, he's the wizard. He's like Hal, <laughs> computer. <laughs> I, I think I can see his shadow. Oh, God. <laughs> In the window. Oh, yeah, that's fucking... <laughs> That's fucking sweet. No, he's out, he's outside on the window cleaning. <laughs> yeah, yeah he's, he's the Vendavapa. They yeah. wouldn't let me in because. <laughs> no. Tyler, is that a is that a champagne of beers you're drinking there? Thirty two ounces, baby. <laughs> that's beautiful. Hold on, hold on a second. I'll be right back. Yeah, right. that's what I'm talking about. I told you to tell him to go do some shots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna go get a Miller High Life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly what happens. <laughs> Hell yeah, baby. Right. Cheers. 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 Man. Well, I've got an Nalgene of water. I stole this from my roommate. I did not ask his permission. That's all right. <laughs> we'll work it out later. Hell yeah. You, you live up to your screen name. <laughs> Damn. Fuck yeah. Well, should we should we dive right yeah, in? Let's get, it, let's get into it. Okay. Uh Welcome, everybody, to your premium Trillbillies for the week. I am your host, Tom Sexton, joined by my right-hand man over here, Mr. Terrence Ray. And uh, we have a very, very special show for you tonight, uh, made even more special by our special guests here. First, join us via satellite from Brooklyn, New York City. He's an editor at both Popula and Viewpoint magazines with bylines in the New York Times, The Guardian, The New Republic, and The Believer, one of our favorite writers on everything from music to politics. Wow, who the fuck is that? <laughs> that would be Mr. <laughs> Shuja Hader, a.k.a. But we we accidentally doxed one of our Patreon subscribers <laughs> last week and uh, <laughs> we're we're on a hot streak. Uh joining us in flesh, live from his home field in beautiful Nashville, Tennessee. He's the creator of Cocaine and Rhinestones, the history of twentieth century country music, described by the New Yorker as sparkling. Oh, he is. He's also the co-host with it. Mark Mosley of Your Favorite Band Sucks, which just returned for its second season, Mr. Tyler Mahanko. Yeah, and your listeners will be thrilled to find out that Your Favorite Band Sucks recently received its first piece of media coverage, and that was from the Wall Street Journal. Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> Whoa. The same newspaper that just published a Brett Kavanaugh op-ed. Mm-hmm. Listen, I just want to say I'm real proud of you for uh, tackling Led Zeppelin in the in the last episode. Thank you. It took a lot of that's, courage, I think, of, but of I went there. Of all the favorite bands that suck, that's, that's my number one. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be fun as fuck. And you, you received death threats from BuzzFeed off of that one. I did I? <laughs> <laughs> Who did? I'm just, I'm just Listen, I think if I have gotten death like the ghost of Howlin' Wolf and Muddy Waters would get together and murder all the living members of Led Zeppelin. (laughs) Quit stealing my material right now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And last but not least, following us up from sunny Wattsburg, Kentucky, he is the program director, at least for the next couple of days, of WMMT-FM, otherwise known (laughs) as the Hip Hop Giant in the Mountains. Mr. Matthew Carr. Does that make me the headliner of the podcast episode? Yeah, buddy. You're the franchise, baby. <laughs> the disembodied voice. Yeah. I'm that yeah. ghost in the window. Right. Wait, are there going to be people seeing video of this at some point? Mm, I, no, probably All not. Right. Um, why do you ask, Tyler? Because I don't have my pants on. <laughs> that's, that's why I thought. That's why I thought. Neither do I. Sweet. <laughs> Well, welcome everybody. Uh, I guess I'm, I should also point out uh, I'm usually uh, these are usually Terrence's duties, and so I ask you just to bear with me a little Which bit. Which duties? My, I haven't seen anyone with, perform with actually any quarter with actually quarterbacking the thing. Okay, I'm hosting? usually just the guy that just you know gets his little provides witty banter, his little punches in there. You know. Now I'm Tom for today, so I'm I'm getting grown right now, but. Uh, thanks, Shuja Tyler, Matthew, uh, 
for being with us. And uh, I asked you all here today because we wanted to talk about a certain type of music criticism, uh, an exclusionary variety that considers rap and country somehow day class and not worthy uh, to be considered with other genres in terms of artistic merit unless it's consumed ironically or as kitsch or something like that and the most recent offender of this is Pitchfork's 200 best albums of the 80s list uh, which conspicuously omits country which prompted you Tyler to point out on Twitter not too long ago and this is made even more egregious by the fact that country is is it was the first or second highest selling genre of the decade. Well, yeah, it's just silly. But I mean, yeah, I tweeted something. But Shuja is the one who really got to work on it. I mean, he hey, we're, wrote get, we're this getting to that awesome now. piece. All right. <laughs> I mean, all I do is talk shit. We have a we have a smart person here. I mean, I can sit here and run my mouth if you want to, but I would rather listen you pressed to a, a couple of buttons on your talk. computer, and he spent hours writing the <laughs> article. <laughs> well, here's going to be the difference between me and probably the rest of you is that uh, you know I. I may have done a lot of research, but I'm actually a novice when it comes to country music. You know, like uh, I wrote this piece and, you know, uh, a lot of people who were talking trash about me on social media were like, you know, you can tell this guy is basing everything on research and he's not like a true, authentic, uh, you know, born and bred listener to country music. And I'm like... You know, no fucking shit. Like, did you see my byline? Like, uh, you know, my family's not from Kentucky. They're from Karachi, you know? <laughs> like, uh, of course it's inauthentic. Hey, like, we bleed uh, the same color, you know. baby. Hey, I, well, the entire concept of authenticity in country music is one of my personal pet peeves. I don't know if you know yeah. that about me, but you hit the, you, you the motherload with that specific word. It drives me batshit when anyone bases anything on... What even the fuck is that supposed to be or mean? Authentic. Right. Uh, that's that's what, what I might look for uh, when I'm looking for, like, food, you know? Authentic Mexican food? Cool. Yeah. I'll probably walk in there <laughs> right. and, you know, get sour cream on a taco or <laughs> yeah. some bullshit like that, you know? So that word doesn't really mean anything. And the me. thing is, all, all of them say authentic. I know. The, on the marquee. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, from your list of... 80s best country albums you're absolutely not a novice like you, you got some pretty heavy hitters well that's there. a hard list to make and I thought I thought you did a great job on that list by the way and it's it's hard it's something that I've come to learn recently it's difficult to open your mouth and be like I think this about you know <laughs> fill in the blank man yeah. because people are gonna lose their minds on you no matter what you say especially right. now yeah Right, like it's like, like I wrote a whole essay that was like, listen, lists are always going to be incomplete. They're always going to be partly wrong. Yep. I think my own list is wrong, and still people were like, hey, where the fuck is X album? That's fun. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. Who cares? I Lists. do see a serious lack of uh, Gary Stewart's uh, Cactus <gasps> and Rose. Yeah, we we going to uh, <laughs> listen. You no, for that. listen. I, I didn't know which Gary Stewart album from the '80s to put on there, but if you you know if you know which one, tell me, and <laughs> I'm gonna no, I was, be listening. To I was it. I was just joking. No, you, I mean it's, you got you really nailed it. I, I love because uh, if I was it was '70s out of hand is obviously gonna be yeah. you oh, know, of top top 10 at least i thought it was really i was really uh, surprised and thought it was really curious uh, your randy travis and dwight yoakam picks i was pleasantly surprised by that um okay yeah so that that like uh i was probably wrong like uh, probably <laughs> like if i was going to be objective i would have picked the uh no, you know gotta call bull- records by both gotta of them. call bullshit on you man like that th- those are both good picks man. oh yeah no they are like, it's they a good are. it's a good list i think you like country music just own it just own it just went for my favorites you know yeah. like yeah because because it's you know it's it's you can never make the right choice ultimately when you're when you're trying to make a definitive choice it's always going to be influenced by your subjective preferences on on the one hand and uh you know just uh the limitations of the process so i think as long as you're honest with everyone else and yourself about that then everyone gets it i hope yeah yeah i want to live in that world (laughs) and the thing is like arguing about it is is actually one of the one of the best parts if like if if you can have a discussion about it about how you disagree and uh you know 
um, multiple perspectives on it. That's that's great. That's what being a fan of music is all about. Uh, but it's it becomes kind of a, a, a problem when it becomes authoritative, when it becomes like setting the boundaries of the canon or of, you know, the the official discourse on it that uh, that starts to I don't know. Well, this you is know, what we're this is what trouble. we're talking about, man, because this is kind of what is happening in music criticism right now is sort of the books being written, you know, and yeah. uh, there are chapters that are just like, ah, we'll write it later. You know, they, they're just blank pages. How many pages do you think we'll need to cover this genre when we eventually get around to it? Who knows? <laughs> Who cares? Yeah. Hell Yeah. well so what we're talking about anyway is uh shuja's essay in popula uh that appeared a few weeks back entitled cannon fodder uh where you say shuja that and you could feel free to correct me here but that uh, pitchfork despite its best efforts to self-criticize and uh, feature some of the best music writing still doesn't take a George Jones as seriously as an LCD sound system. <laughs> and, uh... That would be fair, yeah. <laughs> okay. That kind of broke my fucking mind, up. man. <laughs> yeah. So, 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 in your opinion, Shuja, what is Pitchfork trying to say um, with the country music snub? Are there class implications? What's, what's going on there? The thing that's interesting about that list right away is that they open it with like an immediate apology, which is because they already did this list of like their albums of the eighties. I think it was like in 2000, 2002, maybe it was, it was many years ago when white people and were was, allowed to just fucking, you know, run rampant basically. Yeah. It was just like every, every album was by a, a white person with a guitar uh, and, 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 you know, uh, lyrics that were written with a thesaurus open but, uh, you know, so so I felt like I wasn't doing anything that they weren't already doing themselves with the way they talked about this list, but just uh, expanding it to what, what was absent on the new list, uh, which was there was one country album on there, uh, which was the Lucinda Williams self-titled album, which is a great album. But uh, the blurb they had for it, which is by actually the, the one guy who kind of writes about country music for them on the regular uh, and well but uh, he kind of uh, and I imagine this was an an editorial decision but he kind of talked about it as though it's like you know it's not completely country it's kind of rock it's kind of indie and that's why it's on this list that's Americana buddy yeah they it was a real setting of a frame (laughs) why people confuse themselves (laughs) Yeah, and they were like, "All right, Americana, America, we love America, Americana." Well, you, you had, you had, you had, you had a good. Uh, what, what did you say yeah. about Lucinda Williams? You know, I'm on away well, I mean, uh, you know, a lot of the Americana releases they throw it into that category when it's not twangy enough for country and it has too much percussion for folk music, so they throw a, an Americana mm. label on it. Um, and sometimes it is more country than others, but they it might not have. We a still guitar or something. We should definitely not get sidetracked <laughs> by a what is Americana conversation. <laughs> I, I would love to hear the rest of what Shuja was saying. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's a territorial thing, right? It's like setting out where, you know, the the the, the limits of what we're going to talk about. And, and, and what they decided not to talk about was music that's on country radio and as you mentioned before like that that tyler had tweeted about during that period in the 1980s you know uh, country music was one of the dominant forms of music that was distributed through the main channel that music was played which was radio which was people in their cars listening to radio at home uh you know even in public spaces where radio was being played uh and the funny thing is that even today that's like one of the main ways people listen to music uh the statistics tend to show that people listen to the radio even though it's kind of a not a cutting edge technology or whatever and people still listen to country radio a hell of a lot but uh you know if if you leave that off your list you're making a statement and if you want to make a statement about like there's a certain type of music we cover 
that's one thing and that's that's okay but i think you should be able to articulate what that is and why that is because there's probably either you know a, a certain set of standards that you're applying uh or there's just like a, a set of subjective preferences uh either way there's something that that you know establishes those boundaries and when we don't know what it is especially when it's coming from kind of an authoritative source i mean at this point you know uh the print magazines on music are less and less prominent uh you know i think spin went to online only rolling stone at this point does like as much politics and so on eminem and the source <laughs> with a series yeah. of freestyles, yeah. Rolling Stone became obsolete when they when they went to a normal sized magazine format. You remember how huge Rolling yeah, Stone magazines yeah, were? They're right. like fucking gigantic. Yeah, once yeah. they took out all the cologne ads. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love listening to people say things that I agree with, and that was awesome <laughs> listening to you say all of that stuff. It really was. Um, one thing that I will say, je- I, I'm not gonna do the. I'm a white guy just to play devil's advocate thing, (laughs) but I've had a lot of ideas adjusted in my head in the last year or so of my life. I started making this podcast about country music, and when you listen to it, you can hear all the ideas that I had about uh, the way things were when I made it, because I am pretty forthcoming with my thought process, and you hear that, and I explain myself as well as I can. Um, I started making that country music podcast because like we're talking about the exclusion on these lists uh the exclusion is everywhere it's not just in music mm-hmm. media it's in you know all media so if you go to any if you went to any podcast app 2 years ago and typed in country music i mean you might get some results of people who are associated with country music sitting down and talking to each other. Um, right. You know, just a bullshit conversation, no preparation, or maybe maybe one of them, you know, like half ass knows a story or something, but you're not going to hear anything of anyone taking it seriously. You know, they're not talking exclusively about country music in an informed and educational and entertaining way, you know, which is definitely what the genre deserves, you know. And that no, no one was even trying to do that. There wasn't even a bad version of that. So that was why I felt like I should start, you know, even if if I didn't feel like I could start, I just made myself do it. Yeah. And um, one of the reasons why I, because I thought, well, I, one of the reasons why I started was I was thinking, well, why is this the case? Why are there no shows about country music? Because there are so many great stories here. You know, why why isn't this a thing yet? Because I just wanted to listen to it. <laughs> and um, one of the reasons is, well, first of all, just age. You know, I'm younger than most people who would know as much as I know about this stuff. And another reason is you're, you're really asking for it. You know, if you, if you, if you open your mouth and start making noise about country music, because it's always been treated this way, it's always been pushed to the fringe of American culture and American society. And as a result, people have very strong feelings, anti or pro about it, you know, and that's the way that it always is. But if you go, I mean, if you read any book about a country music entertainer, which I read a lot of them, you know, if you read Tammy Wynette's autobiography in it, she'll talk about how one of the only things that'll make her mad is if someone insults country music, like she'll fucking throw up, she'll throw a punch, you know, George Jones, same thing. Like one of the George Jones, very famous alcoholic drug addict, you know, one of the things that drove that addiction was his intense stage fright and intense fear that people were going to make fun of him just because he sang country music you know like he was terrified of the idea of going to New York City because he was a country music entertainer you know there are stories of uh, country music singers who they take stage names and people think it's so they can have a cooler name right. but there are, there are actually cases of that happening because their family like their dad sat them down and said you're not going <laughs> to sing country music with the family name you know, yeah. like you're not going to do that. Well, fine, I'll change my name. So it's not. It's it, this is this is not. Uh, you know, like the source of a problem. It is very indicative of a problem, and uh, it, it, it's 
country music fans are very famously contentious. Mm -hmm. No matter what you say about that, me just saying that, someone's going to get pissed off. You know, like no matter what you say about country music, you're going to get hate mail. You're going to get, you know. So that's one of the reasons why it's like, well, fuck it. Let's just not write about it because we can either write about it or have a comment section on our website, you know. Well, this is what's what's interesting is that like uh, the question is what what was George Jones uh, feeling about that? You know, I mean, this is a very successful musician who's doing fine financially and oh no 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 almost never doing fine financially actually yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) in terms of his kind of like uh uh success in terms of being heard yeah well he also well he's he's a a complicated case because he also had a lot of self-doubt he would he started being referred to as the the best country music singer of all time (laughs) while he was still alive so that's a lot of fucking pressure when you're just trying to show up and do your job every day you know refer to himself as that he he was one of those like i'm one of the best motherfuckers i don't think no 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 i don't think so i think he would have told you that hank williams senior was the best and then and then he would you know i think Frank Sinatra called him the second best white male singer of all time. Yeah. <laughs> it was like the second best singer in America, but I think he was being like a dick uh, ironically on purpose, you know, when he said that. I think that was kind of a joke. Think, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah, that's what <laughs> on that, the, uh, the Mike Judge tells from the tour bus. Yeah, Let's was, not talk about that. Okay. That's what I, you know, I was going to say, but, you know, I was going to. Well, but in the, general, though, though, the, I, the point is like. Why does it hurt so bad for someone like George Jones when when somebody talks trash or Tammy why not when somebody talks trash about country music because it's insulting who you are (laughs) because it's an establishment of a kind of like status and uh, you know uh, a hierarchy in in the in terms of culture and in terms of like uh, how people uh, form communities and how they talk. You know, just at the level of literally how they talk. Well, it's prejudice. You know? It's like yeah. the, the the thing, the mean, dumb, you know, prejudice things that people say about country music hurt for the same reason that prejudice always hurts when you're the subject of it, you know? Yeah. Sorry to get serious and put my phone out. But damn, damn. This is something I bet you guys have talked about before uh, is, is these... Uh, is the terminology that that gets used that's associated with country music like the i mean we think of them as as much more mild slurs than most mm. racial slurs or whatever but hillbilly redneck and so on redneck is the really interesting one because it has such a political history well, you know it's also co- it's color specific with, yeah like it's that? it's also color specific you know what do you mean? Well, like hick is not necessarily color specific. Mm. What what is what is the origins of the term redneck? Because I've heard like like the red bandanas with the mine wars in West Virginia, and then I've heard other things like there's like a lot. Well, of- to my knowledge, there's two different ways to talk about it that makes sense. One is that it was uh, coal miners who were going on strike or who were involved in the union. Would wear those red, red. Uh, bandanas around their necks. Uh, and Curly and Bill in the movie got called Rednecks. Awesome. The other one is more vague, which is just that, like, if you're a laborer out in the fields in the sun and you're mm-hmm. getting sunburned. Yeah, that's the. Uh, you know, either way, wh- like, what's the association? It's with, you know, blue collar labor. Yeah. It's with, uh, you know, somebody who's uh, uh, not enjoying the spoils of. Uh, polite society yeah so yeah yeah it's it's a it's a way of marking a a, a kind of a status and a, a structure of inferiority and superiority well this is and and well and this is also the it, it ties into the music too the music and the culture people always talk about rap and country in the same conversation even if they're excluding stuff i and like that i think it's perfect country, that that you know? shuja opened that the essay up yeah 
with that classic. <laughs> yeah. I can't tell you. I mean, I don't I don't know if this is still a thing that people say or not. I know that it wasn't a thing that people said, you know, when I was first alive and then at a certain point people started saying this thing and then I, it kind of went away, I feel like. But yeah, for, for a long time if you weren't there, when you ask someone one of the first three questions that you ask them, which is what kind of music do you like? Yeah. Cuz that lets you know everything <laughs> you need to know about a person. Uh a common answer was, you know, everything except rap and country. Yeah, yeah totally. Well, so, I mean, that that was kind of the void that at the time. And, and also, think, by the way, I only listened to rap and country the whole time <laughs> that everyone was, was, that was saying that. People, that was probably yeah. most people in America were mostly listening to rap and country. I mean, it, yeah. in, at least in the late 80s, early 90s. Cool. You don't like, like to go uh, to parties. When, I get when, it. <laughs> When Pitchfork started, it was like pretty explicitly in order to fill a gap between those things to like kind of create a not not just a genre, but like a set of genres that uh, didn't have to be associated with either one of those poles. Mm. Uh, And, and, you know, I think that that they kind of acknowledge this in their new list. Uh, for whatever reason, they chose to include a, rat, a lot of rap, but not not because well, it got know, cool. Like cultural, culturally, hip hop broke through in a way that country never did. Like country almost did yeah. several times break through. You know, one of the one of the biggest ones would have been Urban Cowboy. You know, in the '80s, which a right. lot of hardcore, yeah. uh, you know, real country music fans hate <laughs> that whole yeah. era. But Newsflash, that shit's also great. Uh, Looking for Love <laughs> by Johnny Lee is a yeah. fantastic <laughs> song, and if you don't like it. You're very wrong. Um, yeah, like it, it, we, it almost broke through there. And also, by the way, it almost broke through uh, during the era when all these, you know, country music traditionalism is so awesome. People love the most is the outlaw era. Waylon Jennings and Willie Nelson. These are some of the most famous people that ever happened in country music because yeah. that was like popular right. as fuck you know right. that's pop country like yeah. these are the people who are like uh, like i don't like pop country you know like i like country but i don't like pop country well, do you like, like george jones yeah. <laughs> george jones pretty on much exclusively s- made pop country yeah yeah on the same albums that the rolling stones were trying to do disco mm. they were also trying to do country like listen to some girls far away eyes like, that it's, song it's makes got, me very angry <laughs> far it's got away the eyes. Most, like <laughs> it's got the most ridiculous fake southern accent it's offensive as fuck heard. Do. It's offensive as fuck to me, in my opinion. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know that it's like I'm about. I'm not doing all lives matter right now, but that song <laughs> makes me very, very fucking mad. No, I mean it's absolutely like a completely stereotypical, uh, you know, uh, uh, impersonation vaudeville routine. But uh, what about ACDC's Let There Be Rock? Uh, bon Scott goes, and you can hear them fingers picking. <laughs> <laughs> on the, on the, when he said that. I don't know. I think I think Australians get a pass. Right. Yeah, they're, they're Dude, so that, far away. They're all first, right first of all, all that all, entire continent yeah. is country as right. fuck. They're, they so are, they are, they're definitely the all, they do, all. And we we also uh, hillbillies and Australians alike both say Rick and. Uh huh. That's, the <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, uh, you know, with with the redneck uh, um, term, like there's a polarity to it. Like people use it as uh, a way to offend people, but then there's five thousand. You go to any small town festival, and there's five thousand shirts and flyer and and flags and shit that say redneck redneck and proud and like well that's the very famous thing is that you can't racially insult a white person like if you call me a cracker i'm gonna laugh at you it's true because like dude like how did you you even like what old person told you that that was a a word that you could say to me because clearly you heard that from an old person what are the worst white slurs you can think of let's go let's get fucking real right now anyone oh i don't know i mean I don't think <laughs> has really been reclaimed the way redneck has or hillbilly. Yeah, yeah. Like that's never really been a thing in in Peckerwood. Like what? incorporate that. Peckerwood. Peckerwood would be. Peckerwood's a good one. Yeah. I t- Terrence Terrence has one he's not saying because because all because all he said since I said everyone say him is oh man. <laughs> 
Well, you know, generally, uh, as a podcast producer, anytime you go down the road of naming, listing slurs, <laughs> you're going to, it doesn't matter. It's a slippery slope. It's, it's a slippery slope. They're pouring grease down it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Listen, we can do it for, listen, if you guys, I'll just say them. No, for, no <laughs> I'm, I'm white. Perfect. I can perfect. say any white person slur that we want to. I'll say any one. Like, write it down. Like, write it down and show it to oh. the camera if you know one that you don't want to say. I'll say all of them. Uh, Tom, get us back on So, Shuja, in the essay, this idea of canonization is sort of the central theme. And yeah. can you say more about that in the context of, like, like, cultural criticism like in this era of like listicles and content aggregation as like cultural criticism yeah i mean uh, you know the the kind of uh authority that's conveyed through canonization i mean originally it comes because it is a, a religious concept you know it's ca- saints are what are what who were originally canonized but uh, you know, then we we get it in in the the history of English literature, primarily, uh, or, or European literature in general, um, and I think we start to have that applied to popular culture uh, in the twentieth century in two ways. One is through uh, uh, you know auteur theory and talking about cinema, and the other is through uh, the moment in in the history of rock music when they started when when rock criticism emerged and they started to apply the the way of talking about literature to rock uh when when uh bob dylan uh and the beatles started to adopt like you know certain uh characteristics of modern literature so you had you had people uh talking about it in the way you'd talk about shakespeare and and so on just so, a, just as an aside, yeah. real quick, where, where did you land on the whole Bob Dylan getting the Nobel Prize for Literature thing? Listen, I, I got to tell you, I'm not, I'm not a Bob Dylan fan. Oh my uh, god! <laughs> oh my god! I love, hey man, I love I'm, that. I'm, I'm with you, I man. I'm, I'm, I'm supporting you. No, I love. Listen, that. I mean, did you guys read his his? Uh, it was it was a uh, not the Nobel speech, which apparently was plagiarized. <laughs> From the spark notes yeah. of Moby Dick. Yeah, he did that on purpose. Holy uh, shit. You're, you're, you're talking about the Music Cares speech with the Tom T. Hall thing? Well, there was, I think it was at the like uh, American Association of Retired People. I don't think you're supposed to say that word anymore. <laughs> what retired? Yeah. It, what, you're not oh supposed, shit! Was that a was that a white people racial slur? Well, you're, not, not, you're not supposed to say retired but, anymore. I think. Really? <laughs> so anyway, look, look, he gave this speech, and he he made a point of trash talking Merle Haggard in that speech. Yeah, that's the same Tom T Hall speech. It's mu- the Music right? Care okay. Music Care's Person of the Year award is what he got. Yeah. And he makes fun of Tom T Hall and yeah, t- t- I cannot believe first of all, Merle Haggard is a better songwriter than Bob Dylan is for sure. Absolutely. And a better singer. 101%. I mean, as if yeah. anyone and a way better guitar player. That. And a much better guitar <laughs> player. I mean, like any so here's something, Shuja, you'll like this. Here's something I always yeah. say is there have been more bad books written about Bob Dylan than there have been good books written about the entire genre of country music. Anyone in the genre of country music, there have been more bad books written about Bob Dylan than the entire fucking library of country music. That's a that's statistical good. fact. It's yeah. true. It's not <laughs> even, I'm not even <laughs> joking. Just that be anything. Dude, yeah. <laughs> Grill Marcus wrote a whole book about one Bob Dylan song. <laughs> you know, just a whole book about Like a Rolling Stone. He wrote two huge books that I'm going to have to read someday about Elvis Presley. <laughs> I don't know how many words it is. It's like 10,000 yeah. pages or something on Elvis Presley. That's nuts, man. For basically a covers a covers <laughs> artist. Right. Sweet, dude. Way to shake your ass and sing black people music. <laughs> and pretend to play the guitar. Uh, like... I'm I'm an Elvis apologist. Oh my god! <laughs> wow. Well, I don't know. You know, the only thing that the only uh, um, redeeming quality of Elvis is that he probably did more drugs than most human well, beings ever will. Well, here's the thing. I love how much of a fan I'm of good you, music man. he was. I love how much of a fan of great music he was, and I wish that his fame translated into more fame for the artist who originally did what yeah. he was doing. And I do realize that he did. He, I mean, well, first. It, I respect his 
adoration of great music. And I do feel like he was probably genuinely mostly a decent person, which is fucking rare, <laughs> you know, yeah. for someone yeah. as successful oh, in yeah, this industry. Absolutely. As and even Elvis if he was Presley was, that's very rare to be a decent oh, yeah. person. And sometimes, you know, oftentimes fame I mean, will transform have you all a decent seen the, person. Into there's a, the documentary about Chuck Berry called Hail, Hail Rock and Roll. Yeah. Not a decent uh, person. The, it's it's yeah, Chuck uh, Berry's actually kind of a piece of shit. The, the mid '80s, there's a scene where where Little Richard and Bo Diddley are talking about Elvis, and they they basically say like, you know, we we loved Elvis. He was doing the same kind of shit we were doing, but also, what the fuck, you know? Yeah. That uh, that he was elevated to this place, and you know, we were uh. Not seeing a dime. Well, what, you know? well, what I, what I, that, that's actually what I did want to say about Elvis is that he did result in a lot of money. For, if he recorded someone's songs, like if you had if you had writer's credit on a song right. that Elvis cut, you're set. You literally could retire just because Elvis recorded your song, and that's awesome. Especially now when we live in 2018, where it's especially, damn near impossible to support yourself as just a career yeah. songwriter. Also, which is also why most songs suck now. By Led the way, Zeppelin, who just took the the credit for writing those songs. <laughs> Do you want to go there with me right now? The Howlin' Wolf riffs. <laughs> you know, not only all the bluesmen that he ripped back. off, like there's so many obscure rock and roll bands of the same era that they just completely, completely stole their songs and never gave them any credit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's it's insane. Plug. Uh, they were like the Walmart of rock bands at the time, and they just closed all the small business. We got to plug. <laughs> All the little, all the little. They bar, just ran all the small bands. business tyrants yeah. out. All, all the, the mom and pop stores. Dude, we just layered like several tangents on top of each other. What I think is beautiful is the most recent podcast of, or the most recent episode of my other podcast that I make. It's called Your Favorite Band Sucks, which is you can find at yfbspod.com. <laughs> the, the most recent episode is on how much Led Zeppelin sucks. Man, that plug very specifically fit in the for doing what all y'all. <laughs> just started joking about so by the way if you're a fan of music i think you would love this podcast because it's just like a bunch of music nerds just sitting around talking shit much like this conversation you're already listening to right so yeah thank you <laughs> so should you you write uh, you write an essay that growing up you thought of country music as the absolute worst the culture had to offer it was just mm. not sophisticated there was more to life i thought than pickup trucks and cheap beer well, there's more to country music than pickup trucks and cheap beer. But, yeah. but, but the, 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 the first layer of skin you get to is uh, pickup trucks and cheap beer. Well, I think this is something that you wrote, though, uh, right, Susan? Like, this is just... Uh... Yeah, but, but, once, but once within an, that, an ivory tower face-to-face -face with the heights of insularity and elitism, I felt differently. Would you just say a little bit more about that, Shuja? Yeah, no. So, I, I, I mean, I do think that when you're, uh, you know, an impressionable youth, you're very affected by, uh, you know, social social boundaries. And for me, uh, you know, as a young, uh, you know, child of immigrants growing up in a majority white, uh, you know, town, uh, I I felt generally uh, alienated from the local culture. But um, eventually, I think, I think what happened was that I was always a music fan. I was mostly a rock music fan. And I started to realize that all the stuff that I really like in rock music, uh, when you added them up, those characteristics, like, uh, that weren't, weren't pervasive in rock music. They were just like kind of like the stuff that I really liked would have them. That stuff is like literally... Add it up, and that describes country music. Can we get some you know, examples? It's, it's like like the 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 kind of like the the sound of twang, you know, like uh, that's that's just one intuitive thing. That, like, like the Eagles, you big Eagles? No. Fan? Then what are we talking no, about? No, I was I was a huge fan of like for example like uh, the Kinks, uh, oh, a lot of power yeah. pop, awesome. big star and, and yeah. shit like that. Do you like the so, DBs? You know, Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> so it was like w when when I heard what you could call twang, I always gravitated towards that. That's a subjective thing, but there's also like things that are more uh uh you know, uh kind of 
things that have more depth like i think uh just the the aspect of narrative and song the the emphasis on wordplay and the ambiguity of language like i always really you know connected to that and literally that's what that's what you you turn to country music for i don't know if any genre of of uh popular song as in like music and lyrics that ex- like kind of expects you to listen to the lyrics as much you know if 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 you're a, a listener to like uh i don't know my bloody valentine or whatever <laughs> you may not even know what the words are yeah, i don't know what the words the are point. and i like those records <laughs> yeah hell yeah no, they're, they're great right. yeah but yeah you're not Where's, supposed to know what they're saying yeah, exactly. We're very specifically attacking one of the favorite bands of the one person in this room that doesn't have a microphone, by the way. I'm not even attacking them. I'm just saying that's not, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not the main thing. But like uh, when when you listen to George Jones, you're, you know, you're listening to his incredible voice, but you're also listening to like, what is the story he's telling? Uh well, that's I all don't know. S- that that was really uh, meaningful for me. Most of the stories that you hear of musicians that you would primarily associate with blues or even jazz music, there are stories that you'll hear of these people. Like Charlie Parker is one. You know, he goes over to a jukebox, pumps a bunch of quarters yeah. in there, and dials up exclusively country music. And someone's like, yeah. "Bird, what the fuck? Like, why?" And he's like, "Listen to the stories, man. Like, this is this is good shit." You know. Yeah. Well, let me ask you that, Tyler, because obviously you grew up the son of one of the biggest figures in the genre. Hank Williams. Hank Williams. <laughs> <laughs> Talking to Hank Williams 4 right now. Yeah, Hank we got 4, both. baby. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? What was that? You, you seeing how the sausage is made, what was your formative experiences like with that? Uh, well, it's really crazy. We talked a little bit earlier about uh, the pop or one of the popular takes on the urban cowboy era of country music is that it did it wasn't good, you know. But um, a lot of people who would say that would also say that my father made the, some of the best country music albums ever, uh, and they, and these would be people who like you know real country music, man. I like the the hardcore traditional stuff, which. It, Sidebar here. That's always funny to me. I have a lot of books about country music, and in one of them, it's like the Encyclopedia of Country Music or something like that. There's a list in the back of, uh, you know, it's, it's sort of trying to classify different country artists, and there's one list. The heading of it is Progressive Country, and everyone in it, it's a list of everyone that now all, all the only word you see with them is traditional, like Guy Clark. Like progressive country, <laughs> Guy Clark, David Allen Coe, you know, Steve Earle, you know, pro- this is progressive country. Cause at the time, it was wild and crazy. Yeah. If you go back and listen to Waylon Jennings, if you, if you say the word outlaw country to someone, there's no unified sound. If you say Waylon Jennings to someone, well, half his shit sounds like soul music to me, well, you know, and but it's all great. it has like way too much phaser on the guitar. It's, it's well, I mean, my dad did that a lot too, but that's well, what I, I was going to say know, is my dad's out. My dad's albums were produced by Billy Sherrill and Billy Sherrill is a person yeah. who these same, that's not real country music. I don't like it. People, they would say that he ruined country music and, but that's fucking dumb because this guy produced Take This Job and Shove It. Billy Sherrill yeah. produced Take This yeah. Job and Shove It, which is like one of the top three songs yeah. of this entire sub genre. And it's also straight up just stripped down bar country. Like it's. It, that's pure everyone has their own country, role. buddy. Yeah. That's country as I, fuck. I know, I know that we're not supposed to mention uh, the Tales from the Tour bus, but I kind of got a little misty eyed when. Uh, Johnny Paycheck showed up with the Harlan County Miners and yeah. just hit the take this job. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And got that it was back. fucking sweet. That was pretty badass. It's a strong moment. <laughs> yeah. Hey, but you got to, you, you know, you're there's on this, the other Did end. any of you see, there's this documentary that I, I, I saw it on YouTube. I don't know if it's still up there, but of, you know, the, uh, the country album that Elvis Costello did. Oh, buddy. Uh, produced by Billy yeah, Sherrill. Yeah, let's talk about that right now. Damn, I didn't know about that, this. Because that, I, I that no shit idea. is incredible because you can see him immediately regretting They fucking Billy hate Sherrill each other. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they fucking like, hate right each other. You can tell. Because it's like these these four British guys who are just like completely on Talentless. Speed, paranoid out of their heads. Talentless. And then Billy Sherrill just fucking with their heads <laughs> from the word go. And they cannot handle it. 
My favorite part of that whole documentary is when the crew, who obviously can see what's happening, they have they're <laughs> they're out on a boat with Billy Sherrill because that's what Billy Sherrill did. When you're uh, white trash and you get money, you buy a boat. And <laughs> that's that's, that's true. So, so Billy Sherrill spent a lot it's of time true. out on a boat and. And so the crew's out there with him on the boat. And by the way, Billy would always tell the story of like, yeah, I, he obviously hated working on this album and he would talk about it. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I couldn't wait to get out on my boat. And sure enough, I get on the boat and I look over and who do I see? Elvis Costello, also on a boat on the lake with me, you know. <laughs> but, but yeah, so they have the cameras on the lake with him and that's when they're asking him, so Billy, do you think this album's going to be good? Which also, that's not a fucking question that comes up in a normal documentary. No one would ever, ever ask anyone that. No. Do you think this album's going to be good? Like, no, I'm just going to like wasting all of my time and, and shit to make a reason, shitty album. Yeah. The only reason you would ask that question is if you know the person you're asking, if they were honest, that the answer would be no. <laughs> and you just want to see what the fuck they come up with yeah. to lie. And so, yeah. So Billy Sherrill is like, well, it depends. I mean, people have different definitions of the word good, you know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he goes full Depends Bill on Clinton on what your definition of the word is yeah. is. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah very Clinton. Full Bill Clinton. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually that reminds me. I was gonna ask if you any of you had seen, because uh, actually Tyler, you mentioned in your Oki from Muskogee episode when Bill Maher talks about that song. Yeah, he's a fucking idiot, right? When, when Merle Haggard was on Bill Maher's show. Yeah, I never knew that. When did that happen? I don't know what year. It was, it was. years ago, yeah. but it was so weird because because they. Uh, clearly have such different ideas about what's going to happen like bill maher is ready to like have some you know culture war shit happening and like <laughs> shame merle for being like you know so voting retrograde. voting against his own interests yeah but listen listen merle comes on and he says and you can tell like he rehearsed this like he was planning to come on and oh, say no. this and he says hello friends and conservatives and then he cracks up just to himself <laughs> So like he 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 just he had decided to come on and like announce to everybody I am not a conservative and Bill Maher just purely doesn't get it and just goes into his like kind of canned culture war routine. Yeah, he's a cock. But yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just the, you know another example of like Do people regularly deciding for Merle what he thought. No, he's a fucking he's a Sweet. shit. Cool. Like <laughs> clever on this. Go, go ahead, Shuj, I think wait. Sorry, we were talking. We were shit talking. I, I was asking I'm if so, they yeah, regularly we, praise Bill Maher on this podcast or something. I didn't no, know no. if I was just like shit talking. Shit, he's going to be on the next episode right now yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. The season three yeah, opener. Let, we, <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Well, uh, we've got about an hour of audio here about. Well, let's uh, to put a bow on it here, Shuji, and, and, and to to close out the essay. You had this list, and we kind of got a little ahead of ourselves at the first and we're like rattling off some oh, yeah. picks on there. Yeah. So I was, I just, for the uninitiated out there that might've listened to this, could you kind of touch on maybe some of your favorites there? And then Tyler, maybe you could, uh, can, can I see the list? Plug in a couple that, uh, well, um, the first thing I, for me that comes to mind, uh, for eighties countries, actually for me, it's George Strait because he put out like, an album practically every year and they were all good uh and he did such a range of styles from like uh you know 50s style honky tonk to like you know 30s 40s style western swing just and even like kind of like pop crossover stuff that's actually pretty good that's in my opinion that's what terrence terrence said that yesterday at lunch when we were preparing for this he was like george Strait kind of ran the 80s a little yeah. bit but then oh, yeah. what, yeah. what, what was your criticism of uh of the slide guitar it had a lot of chorus on it. <laughs> oh, I mean, chor that's the, just an 80s wow. thing in every genre. Yeah, we're, they were hoping we're getting pretty granular here. Yeah, they, were yeah, they put a lot of chorus yeah. on it. They were trying to throw metal. some post-punk influence just, on there to hopefully <laughs> to get on this list one day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so, so you got George Strait who put out a bunch of great shit, and then you have uh, the first, like, I think three, three Randy Travis albums that I had trouble choosing from. You have the first three or four Dwight Yoakam albums. I also had trouble choosing one. 
there's several uh, Roseanne Cash albums that are all good. By the way, a lot of these um, people that you're talking about, I mean, if we're being honest, some of these artists yeah. would have multiple albums in the best. Oh, one, absolutely. You know, totally. Like I just said honest, arbitrary know, you're trying rule. To be, you're trying to be inclusive, and I fully understand yeah. that. I mean, I'm looking at this, and I can't, I mean, I guarantee you there is someone that, like, I, I could go home and look at my record collection, but off the top of my head, I'm looking at this, and I'm just like, yeah, this dude gets it's it. It's great. You know? <laughs> so maybe, let's, let's talk about some maybe more unusual ones actually yeah because uh, uh one one that i would name that i know you guys uh uh have noticed is is the keith whitley record which came out uh the one i chose came out after he died mm-hmm. and it's one of the first albums to feature uh brent mason as a guitar player uh who uh went on to play with alan jackson and then probably literally everyone everyone. in the 1990s yeah super important Uh, musician yeah one of the people who defined the sound of country music in that era uh another one is uh uh, joe ellie's live album that i picked which was he was joe ely oh man Joe Ely, sorry, yeah. So Joe Ely's a hometown hero of Lubbock, Texas, where I was born. Lubbock, Texas. Hell yeah. That, that Lubbock, was Texas when he was, that was when he was on tour <laughs> opening for The Clash. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. Uh, and so he is going like as hard as he can on that one. Um, I'm I'm looking at my own list here and trying to decode it, but uh, but before uh, we get too far away from Keith Whitley, I just want to insert yeah. my, my favorite little piece of. Uh, did you have any Alabama on here? No. <laughs> oh, buddy. Is that 80s or is that 90s? Yeah. <laughs> that might be a little 90s. Right? Is, so I'm bad at I mean, people think I'm like a walking. I can cite dates and names and everything, and I'm not. I have to look everything I say up. Alabama might be 90s. Well, yeah. but between the two of y'all, y'all might be able to shed some light. Have you ever heard that... Uh, Keith Whitley the third is actually, or excuse me, that uh, Keith Whitley Jr. is actually. Uh, yeah, let me just, yeah, let me just go on record right now <laughs> as definitively saying, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, I thought the the Dwight Yoakam pick was really cool. That I mean, you just straight up picked your your favorite one out of that because. <laughs> Because Hillbilly Deluxe is a perfect album. Yeah, it dude, should be I mean, on. A, you you did kind of have to. Go if there was a top five hundred, I like that you chose albums. Hillbilly Deluxe because most mean, people said guitars Cadillacs, but I love Hillbilly Deluxe. Yeah, me too. That like, one's got Hillbilly so Deluxe some very class line, conscious right? songs on there. Oh my Reading God. right in Route Twenty Three and and Pete Anderson's uh, guitar playing. It's like a yeah. master class in the most tasteful guitar solo. He's someone else that all, you got to talk uh, about. Country sure. Oh, Pete Anderson. If yeah. So another another thing that that reminds me of is the Rosie Flores self titled album, which is Pete Anderson produced she's fantastic uh, it has this incredible song that i mentioned in the piece by by uh, harlan howard and uh okay by harlan howard and somebody else whose name i should be able to remember but i can't but uh uh yeah that that's a great record um very much in the same mold of kind of like rockabilly country uh uh kind of middle ground um yeah i don't know i mean do you guys have uh did you read the list and think of anything I honestly, uh, well, like people, people think that I enjoy sitting around and like arguing about like you should like this more than you like that, <laughs> you, or you, you should rank you, this higher. You, than you, you rank actually that. do, but I, I, I don't <laughs> give a fuck about like if you like something Clearly, more. Yes. Like, no, for real. Like I look at this list and I'm like, dude, I, me and this guy could get drunk, you know? Yeah. Like, I'm looking well, at this list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's why that's why we're here. Yeah, I looked at this You've list. I was like, fuck yeah, I'll talk to that guy. Do you want to talk to him? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I, my problem with it is, okay, so you can include pretty much every fucking 80s Metallica album and every Smiths album, one of them being a fucking compilation album, but you can't put Hibbley Deluxe or some other, you know, classic masterwork. That like, Just like, some small... Like the, uh, yeah, like, yeah. like the George Jones I, did, I, 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 just, I album. I don't even, know? I don't even, first of all, at this point... The only reason to publish a list of anything <laughs> is just to get clicks, man. Right. You're just you're you're probably trying to make everyone mad, you Absolutely. know. And if if country music fans are the ones that are easiest to make mad, how do you make them mad? <laughs> right. Just fucking don't even talk about them. Yeah. Look at what we're doing right now. Like I can't believe there was this. <laughs> they, they this won. is how Donald Trump became president, yeah. folks. <laughs> can't believe this <laughs> this symphony's album was. It was top ten list. <laughs> No, I mean, people sitting around and complaining about him, you know? (laughs) 
Pitchfork knows what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make two points. One is that, you know, this this is actually something that I pointed out in the piece was, was that when Pitchfork kind of emerged, it, it always seemed to be more about uh, establishing a consensus than it was about sharing new information or trying to expose you to an artist you hadn't heard before. It was about kind of figuring out, like, what do we collectively think, those of us who have good taste... What should we say about this music? Well, Pitchfork you know wasn't. I mean? Pitchfork isn't just music criticism. And I mean, I should say, I mean, like Pitchfork wrote an article about my country music podcast. I talked to Steven Dusner. He was fantastic. Pitchfork. Yeah, I mean, I I have nothing, you know, actually negative to say about Pitchfork, you know, but. It should be said that in this conversation that it's not just straight up music criticism. It's mu- music criticism plus, you know, it's music criticism plus personality, you know, music criticism plus here's a hot button, you know, to push or whatever. Like, dude, they, we, we were talking about this before we recorded. I recently found for something else I had to do. I found uh, a review of a Stone Temple Pilots album by the founder of Pitchfork and it was it was on it was for Pitchfork and it was a guy who founded the website Pitchfork and this review of an STP album ends with the founder of Pitchfork telling Scott Weiland how relaxing and nice and you know just relieving and get rid of all the stress it would be for him to intentionally overdose and die and this was late 90s early 2000s that's first of all that's way over the line folks like that's not what music criticism is for we're not here to tell people to kill themselves especially when they're fucking drug addicts (laughs) especially when they're drug addicts we are not here to tell them to kill themselves imagine if someone did that to Amy Winehouse for the essay where where Lester Bangs told James Taylor to kill himself, <laughs> I'm gonna let him off the hook for that one. Find find me a review where someone tells Amy Winehouse while she was alive that they would love it if she if she killed if she intentionally overdosed and died. Yeah. Find me that review. But this is this is that website. This is the voice that that website was founded on. You know, people also forget how Vice was founded. By the way, yeah. I mean it's a super right. respectable thing now. But Jesus. Well, they both moved away from that. I mean. Pitchfork at this point, I think, is owned by Condé Nast. It's a it's a very yeah. like yeah. established institutional publication, and that's why they have a lot of good shit there. Like, Tell that to Action Bronson, the best writers, you know. I don't know, uh, you know, when they they re- they review those Throwback albums, uh, and they gave I had a little bit of a, a trouble seeing CCR's Cosmos Factory get an eight point eight. It, it should have at least got a nine point five. <laughs> I mean, well, I'm going to shout out. I think it was was John Lingan wrote that, who just wrote a great book about country music called Home Place. Yeah, Yeah. no, the the review is great. But I don't think the writers get to choose those scores. Yeah, no, right. No, yeah, yeah. No, the review is great. On Twitter, um, he said that, yeah, the writers don't get to choose the scores. I guess the editors choose them. But it was. like the way he described it, it it did sound like he wanted it to have. Yeah, been yeah, a 10. it should have had been a ten yeah. or nine point. I mean, it, yeah. you know, well, whatever. Yeah, I like. Shout out to John. Yeah, I shout like out John. John. Yeah, John's coming to our li- first live show in Wattsburg. And John just put out. Uh, John just released a book called Home Place that I have and have not read yet. Well, um, actually, I I reviewed <laughs> that book for Book Forum. Oh, and nice. I loved it. Nice. So yeah. uh, you can check that out. Yeah. I'm just gonna say this. This was my my thing that I didn't want to forget was that. The, if you're, you know, someone who likes the albums on that Pitchfork list and are curious about country music, I would say start with, with the Mekons, uh, who I put the album Fear and Whiskey on my list. There's also one called Honky Tonkin, where they cover a John Anderson song. Uh, you know, I mean, there's, there's a, country music has influences in a lot of that music that that still gets covered in those places uh and that that kind of like angle may not be that visible but it's there so you know you can you can still find a channel to it hell yeah um dude you and me are friends now are you do you have social media stuff what's your social media (laughs) let me follow you i just followed you on twitter okay are you on instagram (laughs) yes Please leave this in the episode, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Say your fucking screen name to people, dude. Is For real. Shuja X Hater. It's my, my name with an X in the middle. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. 
Well, we're uh at about time, uh, before we close out, uh, do you guys have anything you'd like to plug really quick? That I'm going to plug season two of Cocaine and Rhinestones, uh, and I'm not going to ask when it's coming out because <laughs> I feel like you refuse to answer that question. But well, it'll it just be, oh, I already follow you on Twitter, sweet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, yeah, it's going to be a little while. I got to write it still. I mean, it'll be a, a couple, few months. It'll be fucking worth it, though. I mean, I'm yeah. just going to say, you know, you know, Cocaine and Rhinestones is the only podcast I've ever heard that cites its sources out loud. Isn't that such an important thing that people don't do for not not for hours this is this is scholarly okay yeah well i just i think it's bullshit to say well there are so many things like let me tell you a story well it's like it's like okay motherfucker who told you that story (laughs) (laughs) ira glass cite your sources (laughs) i'm serious i want to know like well because well my relationship with media my relationship coming from the country music world i mean neil fucking strauss published johnny rebel lyrics in the new york times and told the english-speaking world that my dad wrote them so that's been my life oh jesus yeah so so yeah when reporters want to like interview me and shit i'm just like cool what do you want to talk about <laughs> and you know invariably, like, yeah. i'm sure that's what they want to talk like, let's let's, yeah. let's clear yeah. some questions first real fast you know i mean yeah. unless it's some shit like this where i just know y'all are fine and everything but i've been <laughs> i've had a very i would say distrustful relationship with the media for most of my life because oh, i just sure. assume that they want to make fun of me or find right. something crazy about me to right. tell everyone about look at this fucking shit and you're you like know? forced in the in the spotlight yeah. without any decision well, on my dad did that well no i mean <laughs> but regardless you know my dad was, put my baby pictures on his album yeah. covers man. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that has got to be pretty fucking weird yeah but, you know even 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 that's if a you different episode like, we don't have time yeah. to get well, hell yeah. Well, thanks so much, guys. Thanks, Shuja, for uh, for giving us uh, more than we even signed you up for. Yeah, man, this was awesome. Thank you so much. And oh, Tyler, yeah, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure, my friend. Yeah, thanks anytime for you helping want. us set up here in beautiful yeah. Nashville, Tennessee. I don't know how much longer we'll be able to do this kind of shit, but yeah, anytime you want me around, <laughs> I'll be there. Hell yeah. Well, thanks, guys, and uh, let's do it again sometime soon. All for right. sure. All right. Yeah. See you, Shuja. Thanks, man. See ya. Tumble out of bed and I stumble to the kitchen Pour myself a cup of ambition and yawn and stretch And trying to come to life Jump in the shower and the blood starts pumping out on the street Traffic starts jumping with folks like me On the job from nine to five Working nine to five Just a step on the boss man's ladder But you've got dreams They'll never take away You're in the same boat As a lot of your friends Waiting for the day A ship will come in And the tide's gonna turn And it's all gonna roll your way I'm working Nine to five What a way to make a living I'm barely enough to drive me crazy if I let it. Nine to five for service and devotion. You would think that I would deserve a fair
the boss won't seem to let me I swear sometimes that man is out to get me Nine to five, what a way to make a living Barely getting by It's all taken and no giving They just use your mind And they never give you credit It's enough to drive you crazy